1: Well, welcome back to Signposts. Thank you for joining us. I want to remind you that you're listening to um, Signpost Ministries, which is um, brought to you by Andrew Boylan and Pastor William Boylan. And if you're interested in more of what we have to say here on Signposts, you can visit us at um, pastorboylan.com. We have a website there, and you can find some information. We're going to update some of our information, talk about what we are talking about here um, on prayer these these next few episodes and the previous episodes we've been talking a lot about prayer there's an initiative going on here at Salem Media on prayer and we decided to jump um, in on that with both feet partly because it's been such a huge part of um, my dad's ministry at, at Byfield Parish over the years and saw some amazing effects and I think the stories of that um, could really be insightful for people who um, struggle in their prayer life, who struggle to understand how prayer can really fundamentally not only change your life, change the lives around you, but can bring about the will of God, that God will tell you how to pray, and he will teach you how to pray, and he will teach you how to pray for what he wants. Um, and, and, and and although that sounds like a complicated idea, and I think at times it's a complicated idea, um, I think it's a um, profound idea. And that's one thing that we are exploring and you and in the first half hour you had talked a lot about this and talked about um <clears throat> some verses and but and you were just stepping in dad into um the territory of some experiences that you had at college. Some of your first experiences with how God gives us the prayers that he wants us to pray and i think it'd be interesting to just continue right on where we were
2: yeah no i I, right uh we're talking about the fact that god uh, wants to hear from us and he wants to speak to us he sends signs and he gives us what he wants to hear from us at times because we don't know for sure we don't know until God reveals a thing to us we are dust we are his created beings we are his children by grace if we have heard the call and responded to the name of Jesus Christ Jesus says, you come to me i won't throw you out i'm i'm welcoming anybody anywhere anytime who come to me whoever comes to me i will not cast them out what a great promise uh, you know if you let, let me take a minute on that, but we won't go back to prayer but let me just take a minute on that. think about that think about that uh Jesus Christ was with the Father as a being, God, He is the Son of God, describing a relationship of a person in the Godhead. The Son, who relates to another person the God, Head, the Father, and shares the God Head with the Spirit, and uh, and this one, Jesus Christ, comes to Earth. Uh, he made us in His image, but we threw that over for uh, a bowl of soup. That's <laughs> basically what sin does. It makes us exchange the greatness and glory of God for. Uh, Uh, for trifles that's Mm. really what the world is all about trying to collect trifles when god exists and you can have it but anyway now if you're listening to us the one thing that's behind all of this prayer or faith or anything we talk about in this the bottom line is you can have a right relationship with god for the asking You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to do anything. It's really nothing you can do in this. You can recognize your need for it and say, God, help me a sinner. And you know what? He promises he will. Mm -hmm. I I did that. Uh, I did that. And uh, I'm not sure. I didn't have great faith to move mountains. I didn't know if I really believed there was anybody there listening. But God was there. And he proved he was there in a number of ways. And one of the ways he proved it, and this was very important beyond the experience. of The experience was wonderful. I'm about to explain it. But it was much more than that. As time went on, I recognized it was much more than that. Uh, God was showing me something I really needed to know if I was going to serve him the way he wanted me to serve him and the way I wanted to serve him. And that had to do with prayer. Mm. So... I, I'm standing up top of Town Hill. I got my father's dog running around. I'm waiting for him to get his exercise. I'm looking down. I see the town. I'm full of joy. I'm full of peace. Uh, and I think if you're an adult convert like me, you probably just recognize what I'm talking about. It's, it's not unique to me by any means. Uh, I think people who grew up in a Christian home and uh, have always believed and been taught to believe as a youth, and they do believe as they get older. Maybe they don't have that that transforming experience because they've always been there but I was not that person I was a person who was walking my own way doing my own thing getting myself into my own troubles and God got me out of them and Mm -hmm. so I knew the difference it was a passage from darkness to light and uh, from the power of Satan really to the power of God but now I'm on Town Hill in Ipswich, Massachusetts and I just feel so free so wonderful so new Uh, I've been born all over again. Really, that's what I did. The Bible told me that later, but I knew it before that, not in those terms, but I knew the feeling of it. So I want everybody to have that. And so I prayed. It was a natural thing for me to do. I said, God, give everybody this experience. And I went on. Now, when when I got to college in the fall, I had to take the history course. That was a requirement. And because it was a Christian college, they spent a goodly amount of time telling us uh, how the Christian faith influenced the development of this nation. And one of the things that happened periodically in America was great awakenings of that faith. Uh, we, would, we were founded by people who came over here who had their faith awakened back in England. Uh, they, was involved, they were involved with the Great Awakening. It was centered in Cambridge University in England. And so when they came here, they settled there or founded their own university. And in order to show that where they came from, they changed the name of Newtown, Massachusetts to Cambridge. Mm. The reason we have a Cambridge, Massachusetts is because these people came from Cambridge, England, and that's where their faith was born. Okay. Uh, and they came here with that faith. Uh, but it doesn't last necessarily. And I'd say by 1700, uh, this there was some pretty big troubles in America, and I don't think it was a hotbed of spirituality. Uh, if uh, they had the witch trials, that wasn't exactly uh, a plus in their lives. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, then they had a great awakening, again, and that's important because we were studying that great awakening at this college in history course. And uh, the great awakener in America was Jonathan Edwards. If uh, you go and come. Google or look it up, you'll find he was an extraordinary man. And he was uh, his sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, when it was really heard, uh, began to change the climate, not just of a Massachusetts Bay Colony, but uh, it changed the climate of the 13 colonies and, mm. and eventuated uh, with others who were preaching, too. I know that. But it eventuated a great spiritual awakening. And arguably, arguably, uh, that 's the reason we have a United States of america this, this great awakening it spread all the way from Georgia up until maine uh when this awakening hit uh, these people from Georgia to Maine had the same faith and they were able to uh more or less uh, uh get their act together in the revolution but that uh that was uh, uh, uh that was that was seventeen hundred and thirty forty and fifty So I was assigned a a piece from Jonathan Edwards' journal. Mm. And I can't say, I didn't know he had existed. I didn't know he had a journal. I didn't know much of anything. I'm learning. Right. And I read my prayer on Town Hill in Jonathan Edwards' journal. Mm. Now, you can imagine, Andrew, and if you're listening, imagine this. Uh, As time went on, and I read passages like this, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans we can't, words can't express. And he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. Mm. Now think about that. I'm on Town Hill. I'm praying. I don't know what to pray for. I don't know there's been a great awakening. I don't know there's been a Jonathan Edwards. I don't know the background of the country. Not really. I mean, I knew it as a kid. I knew uh, something about the generalizations of I could be president because we were all told by our mothers that anybody could be president. But uh, that didn't mean we really grew up expecting to be the president. Mm. <laughs> it was a kind of climate of the country. But but when you get down to brass tacks, I, I didn't know much. I didn't know all that I've just explained, that's for sure. Right. But uh, – but I prayed, the I prayed the exact words that Jonathan Edwards wrote in his journal two hundred years before I prayed them. Mm-hmm. Now I drew some conclusions from that as time went on, mm-hmm. not immediately, but as I grew up in the faith and as I matured and as I gave some thought and as I uh, dawned on me that this is this was important, and I've asked myself, I'm still asking, I'm asking it on radio right now. What does God have in store for America if he wanted to hear those words from me? I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know I had all those implications in what I was saying. I didn't know when I prayed another person's words that that person was really, in arguable terms, I say, arguable, not everybody would agree with this, but arguably uh, we, we owe a lot. That we became as a country to Jonathan Edwards and mm-hmm. his, and his colleagues in that great awakening, and I, so, what does God have in mind that He would put those words in my mouth in 1962 on Town Hill in Ipswich, Massachusetts? By the way, um, if you go to Ipswich and the cops stop you, uh, I don't, I don't. Uh, recommend your speed through the town, but if they if you if you aren't lucky enough to get stopped at a cop's at least look at this town seal on the side of the cruiser. It says birthplace of American independence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here I'm in the birthplace of American independence. And, and by the way, uh, we don't know each other, you're hearing me on radio, but I was called to serve the first independent congregational church in America. Mm. <laughs> Maybe it's just a coincidence. Uh, You may believe so, but I I don't have the word coincidence in my vocabulary. It's providence. It's a providential act of God. And so here I am, a new Christian, untaught, untutored, ready to go, praying the words of the Great Awakener on Town Hill without knowing it. I come to Gordon and find it out. Then I read Paul, and Paul tells me that, I don't know what to pray, and God knows it. So he gave me what he wants to hear from me. Mm. So what does that tell you as an American about our future in America? Yeah. Why would God put words in my mouth to pray to him that he didn't want to hear? <laughs> doesn't. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. It makes more sense to me that he put words in my mouth that he wanted to hear. Right. And I have to ask myself, why do you want to hear them from me? I mean, I, I didn't do anything nothing there was no great brilliance in me there was certainly no uh background in me i mean it was nothing it couldn't have been anything about me because i wasn't a very keen prospect at that time i was just a fledgling christian and yet by yoga by his grace he put those words in my mouth and i'm still waiting because i expect that when god says something he eventually does it
1: Mm, yeah no, absolutely. Well it's a good moment to just remind listeners, anybody who's just tuning in that you're listening to Signposts, which is a, a ministry of, of Andrew Boylan and Pastor William Boylan. And uh you can find out more about our ministry at uh Boylan dot com. The and today we've been talking about prayer and how God teaches us to pray for what he wants. And um I wanna I wanna continue what you were saying. And look at another another example that you had talked to me about not too long ago, Um, early in your Christian life, early when you when you were beginning um, at Byfield. But you there were, and you you tell me the story. But there were men that you had felt the church was a desolate place when you started there. A lot of everybody had vanished, and they it had stop preaching the gospel and there were a few people who, who remained, um, at, at at the, um, where you had been called to preach and you were starting fresh with, um, and you had, and you noticed of the people that did come that men were distinctly absent. And so you began to pray, but you picked what did you say? 12 men out of the, um, what would it have been like a church directory or how, where? How did you come up with the the names that you prayed for? Yeah,
2: well, uh, my wife and I used to kid about it once we got uh, feet wet and got on the you know got on the ground there by field because uh, we had a pretty good sized congregation uh, when I preached my candidate sermon because mm. people are curious who's who's this new character we're thinking about hiring mm-hmm. uh, and they were technically on the books. Uh, but they weren't uh, they weren't really in involved right, yeah they, they weren't, they they weren't was, making so there it was to church a list of That's... people who supposedly had at one time or another at least walked by the church. I don't, uh-huh. I don't know how involved, but they were certainly not interested or involved when I came. So right. I would say, on an average during that first year, or at least the first half of the first year, you know, 20, or 20 people might show up to worship. Uh, I was still a student. I was not an experienced pastor. I had just come out of the oh, I was still in my senior year actually of the Gordon Divinity School which then became Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. And I and I started while I was still studying because I was going to graduate in May, but I began the actual preaching. I began to preach the Sunday morning sermon at Easter time just a couple of months before that, into mm. March. So So, uh, I and I was not a youngster. I had already been in the Army. I was a veteran. I came to Christ uh, in the Army. I knew him personally in the way the Bible describes. You can know him personally. And I wanted to know him intellectually, so I enrolled in seminary. And that's the background. And I came to this uh, very struggling church, is the best way to put it, liberalism, and I'm talking about theological liberalism, not some political ideology. Uh, theological liberalism is very simple in its root. It believes the Bible is basically a human book. It believes that Jesus is basically a human being. It uh, It thinks it has a lot of wonderful ideas that we ought to adopt, but when you get into the the real heart and soul of the bible is pretty much denied it's denied that the writers of the scripture were led to write the words they wrote by the holy spirit it's denied that jesus was an eternal person who became a human being for us and our salvation by shedding his blood on a cross that uh, we were saved by grace alone that uh, that the uh, That the world is as supernatural as the Bible says it is. I would say that uh, Darwin has a lot more credibility in liberal churches than Mm. uh, Moses who wrote Genesis. Oh, I could go on and on. But that was was the situation at Byfield. And when I uh, came in, I didn't make any bones about who I was. I didn't try to hide things so that I would get hired and then come out of the closet or something or nothing like that. I preached a candidating sermon about a, an a individual uh, who was an original in a mm. world of carbon copies. So what I simply meant was, under the skin and down deep, we're all the same, us human beings. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. There's none that's righteous. No, not one. And then one righteous man pops up in history, a man who was not born of Adam. Uh, he was born of a woman. Only because his father was God, and uh, the seed was planted in his, in her womb by the Holy Spirit. He was he was all the way through his life from beginning to end. Uh, he he was uh, uh, another Adam. He was mm-hmm. another original human being. Another, and so. Uh, he's not one of us; he's not a carbon copy of us who had to be repentant and deal with mistakes and correct himself and be corrected no nope. uh he He was God in flesh appearing mm. okay that was not believed in the bifield church, and as I continued to preach that message, I was not believed much in the bifield church. And what the Byfield people that were there began to believe is the sooner I was out of there, the better the church would be. Mm. Sounds very strange, but that's what it was. And one woman told my wife flat out, we are the Byfield Parish Church in exile waiting for the Boylans to leave. Hmm. not a very happy conversation for my wife I can tell you that I imagine. but I knew I was called there I just knew it I can't tell you how even to this day but I knew I was called to a place as much as to a task so what do you do when you're in that situation and it's now summer I started in March to preach it at uh, Easter time and now summer had come and if it was low attendance in the late spring, it was no attendance in the summer, <laughs> uh, low to no, and so the church didn't try to hold Sunday morning services because they were pretty much fruitless, so the services were held on Wednesday night, mm. and there were very few people there then. And since people were at their summer homes and doing their thing all all, uh, all we- weekend, weekends, uh, I had a lot of time, a lot of free time, and I didn't want to spend it just fooling around and playing cards or doing something like that. No, I, I chose 12 names out of the listing, which had a lot of men. Now, there were two or three men that were actually involved at church, and I met them. But the other names I took were, for me, arbitrarily off a list that mm. had been developed by some former pastor And I took these names by faith, and I prayed for each one of these men every day at noon. That was part of my day. Every day at noon, I would ask the Lord for specific things for these 12 men. I asked that they would pass from darkness to light, that they would be released from the power of Satan and belong to God. Mm. I I prayed that they would receive an inheritance that is by faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, I prayed for them what Paul was told to do by the Lord when he was converted on the Damascus Road. Mm. He said, go, Paul. Go, uh, proclaim them, proclaim me, and uh, and call them from darkness, call them into the light. Do that. So I said, "Well, if it's good enough for Paul, it's certainly good enough for me." Uh, Mm. And I did that. Within a year, seven of those men confessed faith in Christ. Hmm. But it wasn't just that; they changed their lives. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. There's a lot about this man I'm thinking about that is really profound, and maybe next, uh, maybe in the next. Uh, session when we get back again next week maybe talk about these men in a little more detail it might be interesting yeah but uh, but here's what happened now i di- i didn't uh, think that my call was to get the, anybody who was drinking a glass of beer to stop it uh i didn't think it was if somebody was smoking a cigarette to put it out mm-hmm. that wasn't my call in life my call was to preach the gospel of jesus christ and so I, I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't want to preach that we should become all drunkards, and I didn't want to preach that we should all die of lung cancer. No, of course not. But that wasn't my call. But one of the men, I think from his background, kind of interpreted it that way. I'm a Christian. There's certain things I can't do. Mm. So. He became a Christian. He told me this. I wouldn't have known it, but he told me he became a Christian sitting at our dining room table. I mm. mean, it dawned on him he changed, and he was very remote that night, and he changed. So mm. when he went home on without my uh, instructions or urging or cajoling or anything, he went home, and he went right to his liquor cabinet, and he took every bottle out of his liquor cabinet, put it in a trash bag, and put it out at the end of the driveway, <laughs> and uh, he went to bed. And he woke up with a start about three o'clock in the morning, and he said to himself, "I'm going to kill the trash man. <laughs> he's going to he's going to get that bag. He's going to stop at the end of my driveway where he picks up the trash in the morning. And I know I know he loves uh, he loves his uh, he loves his drink. So he'll sit down the stone wall and he'll kill himself <laughs> with all of this. So he get up at three in the morning." He went out, he got his trash bag, he brought it into the house, and he emptied every bottle down the sink and then put them back out for the trash man. <laughs> now, I, I, I say, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm getting, going to emphasize the fact that, that he didn't get that for the result of my preaching or my testimony or anything else, but, uh, but, but uh, isn't it interesting uh, hmm. that he, he started two or three hours after he became a Christian, he started to think about other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, he, and he thought about the trash man. He said, no, uh, I, I don't know that he'll do that, but I don't think I'll take the chance because I, I, I now care about him. Yep. He could. He, maybe the night before, he said, well, I'm sleepy. If he does that, it's his own tough luck. Mm-hmm. But God changed his life, changed his mind, changed his heart. It was a miraculous thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's much more that told about that particular man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, symb- it's symptomatic. I've tried to say two words at once. Let me say one word at a time. It's symptomatic of what happened to those seven. And then, Mm -hmm. as time went on, four more became believers. That made 11. And one man, to my knowledge, that I prayed for, never could confess Christ. And I don't want to make this, again, too super spiritual, but that's about the results Jesus had. Mm -hmm. Eleven of the disciples were... You know, right there and uh many of them suffered and died for their faith, but one
1: never did believe. Mm. Uh, in fact he
2: was the one who betrayed the Lord himself.
1: Well, as always, it's so amazing that we come to the end of the hour so quickly. Um, but we do want to take a moment just to thank you for uh tuning in this week to signposts. Um, on behalf of Pastor Boylan and myself. Um, we'd like you to take a moment if you have a ti- if you have the time to uh Come visit us at uh, pastorboyland.com. You can find out more about our ministry, more about the book that we're developing on prayer that we're going to be talking about, that we've talked about today and we'll talk about again next week. If you find it on your heart if you enjoy this show, if you've been listening for a while, we've been on for about a year now, you know, feel free to go over and um, we do accept free will donations. Um, We are we are listener supported radio. We don't exist without people who listen. Um, and take a moment to uh, think about us um, as they go through their week. But we do appreciate you tuning in, and we hope that we bring something to your uh, spiritual lives from week to week. So I look forward to uh, spending time with you again next week. Thank you.